Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig, R.A.M. Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 213. Giving you a heads up, episode 214, that's next week's episode, will be another live stream episode. Be sure to tune in to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash 8311cast on Tuesday, March 14th at 7.30pm Central Time for our live streamed episode. The normal episode will still come out later in the week as expected, but if you want to be there live while we're doing the episode, you're welcome to join us at twitch.tv slash 8311cast. Yeah, that should be a fun one. We're going to talk about the... Uh... The Cyclone, the Big 12 tournament, uh, where the Cyclone men and women are seated in the NCAAs, and do our second annual uh, 83.11 cast group bracket prediction in that episode. So tune in. We have basketball only special. Speaking of basketball, fun fact Nebraska ended their regular season this year with a winning record for the first time in four years. Four years ago, which was 2019. Fred Hoiberg took the reins of the program. So this is his first winning season in Nebraska. So kudos to the mayor. Yeah, good to see him get on track. I was looking at an article today and like half the panelists picked Indiana to win the Big Ten tournament, which surprised me. So I guess they're pretty hot right now. Yeah, I mean, in Indiana, though, like I thought that was weird, too. It was right? like half Purdue and half Indiana. They must know something we don't. Is it? Indiana's the three seed, I think. Let me look here. Northwestern is the two seed in the Big Ten, believe it or not. Hmm. That was surprising to me when I heard that. Indiana is the three seed, so they do get the double bye, and they actually do have a decent path. They probably have the easiest path to the championship game. The best team they'd have to play is on the way there is Northwestern. Maybe that's part of it then. Yeah, they probably do have the easiest path. They're on the opposite side of the bracket is Purdue and Iowa and Michigan State. Anyway, I digress. But they're not the home team because it's in Chicago this year instead of Indianapolis. Anyway, that was a good fact. Thank you, Wyatt. I appreciate that. Nebraska fans appreciate Fred Hoiberg uh, making the program go go uh, go positive this year. I mean, and they were gonna fight that right like four weeks ago. He was like a for sure candidate to get fired. Yeah. Like they've won like seven out of the last eight to be relevant. He was he was a prime candidate to get fired not too long ago. So and it was uh it was a week in uh Cyclone men's basketball, um, especially. Um and it did not get off to a great start at all. Um started off with a home loss to West Virginia. Um well that turned it into the Eighth loss in 10 games, I believe, for the men's team when they lost that one. Let me see here. Yeah, something like that. Something like eight losses in 10 games when they lost at home to West Virginia. That was 72 to 69. Absolutely terrible in the first half for the Cyclones. Outside of Gabe Kalsher, who had a great first half, the Cyclones offense was doing nothing in the entire half. And Gabe Kalsher got in a ton of foul trouble. Um, he ended up only playing 24 minutes in that game, but still scoring 26 points. Um, so it was definitely good Gabe Kalsher in that game. The offense did come alive in the second half, and the Cyclones actually led for most of that second half. They took the lead with a scoring run with about 13 minutes left in the game, and they led it up until there was about uh, three minutes left in the game. So they had a 
the middle 10 minutes of that uh that second half were dominated by the cyclones but then we went on a long scoring drought and uh weren't able to to get enough stops at the end and, and fell to west virginia to me the turning point in that game was just a really weird situation the cyclones had momentum the hilton crowd was into it we were on a run jazz coons gets elbowed in the face and it leads to some pushing and shoving west virginia gets called for a flagrant two and a technical foul and iowa state gets called for two technical fouls so jazz coons shoots the two flagrant two free throws misses them both then west virginia shoots two free throws for the extra technical foul makes them both. Then West Virginia gets the ball and knocks down a three, right? So in the end, it was a five-point swing from Jazz Koontz getting elbowed in the face. And that was, to me, that was the momentum turning point in that game. It was just a, just a weird sequence. You don't see a flagrant two resulting in a 5-0 run for the offending team very often. And the home crowd did not know what was happening either. They were furious when West Virginia got the ball back. Just confusing. I'm sure you couldn't really tell what was given out in the stadium. That play for sure was a big momentum, and it sucks to lose by three when we get a phantom foul call on Taman Lipsy for a three pointer where he didn't even touch the guy, and they make all three of those free throws. You know, we we played horrible the first half. It was probably some of the least fun basketball that I have seen all year, and then we managed to pull it within three because we remembered how to play basketball in the second half, and you wish that it didn't come down to that. Obviously, I know we should have just played better to win, but it sucks when calls like that are the exact amount that you lose by. But in the end, I mean, you can't blame that loss on the official. They played terrible yeah. in the first half. So bad. And yeah, and that's, that's a game you need to win. But boy, was that, that first half was so frustrating. Yeah, literally. The only person who was doing anything was Gabe, and he... It's two offensive fouls in under five minutes, and he has to sit again, and it looked like nobody else knew how to put the ball in the basket. But then, to me, the, the team we all knew from the first half of the year returned in the second half. It was just a yep. little too little too late. They dug themselves too big of a hole that they ultimately couldn't recover from. But the team we knew came back in the second half, and um, that carried forward into the Baylor game, which we'll get to in a minute. In the end, that was the third home loss for the Cyclones. Is that correct? I believe so. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech? I think that's right. In, interesting that our, our home losses were to the bottom three teams in the Big 12 standings. Oh, no. Three of the bottom four. Sorry. We beat... No, we lost to Oklahoma at home, too, didn't we? I don't know. We were undefeated at home for a long time, and then we just only lost at home for, like, the last month. We killed Texas Tech at home early in the year. That's what it was. And then lost to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and... West Virginia at home. Oh, okay. So still, still three of the bottom four um, teams in the conference were our home losses. We beat all of the the top five teams in the conference at home. So just, I mean, just a weird year. But it's not the way you wanted to have senior night go, and not the way you wanted the Hilton season to end. But you know, sometimes it happens that way. The team was struggling, and they couldn't get it done. And then it seemed to go from bad to worse in the middle of the week. Um, as I'm sure all of you, um, hopefully all of you have heard by now, Caleb Grill was dismissed from the team um, on Wednesday. Uh, and nobody outside of the team themselves know this whole situation, um, so we won't get into it in too much detail. But it seems like he said something he shouldn't have to somebody he shouldn't have said it to. 
and he got removed from the team for it. Uh, I don't know why, Adarian. Do you have any other thoughts on that, or do we just want to leave it there? Yeah, I don't want to speculate too much, obviously, because like you said, we don't know anything. No reports have come out. Um, Caleb did put out a Twitter thing, just acknowledging it, apologizing for it. He seemed really, you know, like he was sorry and he got into some stuff. He said he had had some mental health problems and talked about how important his family was. Um, So there are some pretty serious things going on there with him that are bigger than basketball. So you hope that even if he's not with the team, the team and his teammates are doing what they can do to help him be who he needs to be and get where he needs to get. Um, He's been with TJ through three different schools. Uh, Obviously, they're super close, so I'm sure that was a hard decision to make. Uh, Other than that, I don't have any personal things about it because I don't want to speculate on that. But we are a sports podcast. So I will say, uh, as far as the sport goes, it is very hard to lose, in my opinion, your best rebounder uh, and your best three-point shooter, your third leading scorer, right before you get into all the postseason tournaments. Uh, obviously, they appeared to get up and feel good against Baylor and played very well, but I am very nervous to see what that looks like going forward. For sure. And to me, it shows the different standards that are at Iowa State versus some other schools, right? Yep. This this was... From all we from all we know, it was presumably a one-time semi-private encounter, right? Because no media obviously saw this, because otherwise they'd be reporting on what happened. So a one-time semi-private encounter can get Caleb Grill kicked off the team. And at Alabama, you can have a player who's morally culpable for murder who's still starting every game. I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah. Like, there's, there's obviously a different in expectation. But no, it does speak volumes to the way they, they, you know, we run the program here. They, like you said, Grill's been with, with TJ for three schools ever since he was in high school, really, right? Yeah, he was the first guy to recruit him. It's a situation no one is happy with, I think. So, oh, well, you move on. Things happen. I missed this game uh, against Baylor, unfortunately. I had other stuff going on. So, Mike, if you want to fill me in on why all of a sudden we're apparently the best team in the Big 12. <laughs> When we play Baylor? I don't know. The team really, um, the, the team obviously responded to whatever to whatever coach said or whatever happened during the week, right? Because this team came out with the intensity that we've seen, right? We, we know this, this team is not the most talented team, but if they play with intensity, especially on the defensive end, they can, they can hang with anybody and they can beat anybody. And that intensity was absolutely there. This was one of, if not the worst offensive performances of the year um, from Baylor. And some of it just has to go to the defense, right? The defense, especially in the first half, was incredible. There's, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have much more to say about that. I mean, the rotation, though, that's the biggest thing that surprised me. So first of all, Oshun didn't start. Robert Jones started instead. So you had that, and then um, Kuntz didn't start. You had uh, Trey King starting instead. So really, you had, you had Lipsy, you had Kalsher, you had Holmes, and then you had King and Jones starting. So he mixed up the starting lineup. And then both Conrad Holly and Eli King saw minutes in the first half. I think Eli King played four or five minutes total in the game. Let me pull up the box score. Yeah, Eli King had six minutes. Hassan Ward looked very impressive in his seven minutes of action. Conrad Holly played a minute, right? They used everybody. And I don't know 
if that was to send a message, if that was just what they're going to have to do now without Caleb Guill to keep that intensity high, but it worked. Whatever it was, it worked. It, it was back to the balanced offense that um, we are used to from this team, right? The, this wasn't somebody takes over the game and dominates. Um, Holmes has been back to his his old self. He had 16 points, an efficient six points on uh, 16 points on six for nine shooting. Gabe Kalsher had 12. Um, Trey King played his best game as a Cyclone, 13 points, seven rebounds. Um, that's a great game from him. Robert Jones even chipped in seven points, eight for Oshun, um, four for Watson, Kuntzit, uh two big threes. Really just input from everybody, right? Everybody contributed to that game, and the intensity was there, and that's what we needed to see. Baylor just looked out of sorts the entire game, and it was great to see. It would be interesting going forward. We have almost a NBA playoff type of feel because right after we just beat the brakes off of them, both coaches go back to the lab, look, watch some, you know, film and decide what they need to change because we're right back at it and we're playing Baylor again in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, we'll play them at 11.30 a.m. Uh, it'll be Baylor and Iowa State in Kansas City, Hilton South. Uh, that will be on ESPN2. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how, you know, basically less than a week apart, what's going to be different. Yeah, I mean, but you would have figured something would have been different from last game to this game because we dominated Baylor at home too. Granted, it was a long time ago, but Baylor obviously didn't make enough adjustments in between these games. As the saying goes, it's hard to beat a team three times in the same year. But the Cyclones will sure try. That game will be on Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Sorry for all of us regular people that have jobs. That was the disadvantage of the team getting up to the five seed. They ended up being the five seed um, in the tournament because TCU also lost their last game. So five seed would get to the 11.30 a.m. game on Thursday. The women also ended their season uh, or the regular season on Saturday. Um, Before we get to that game, we'll talk about their midweek game on Wednesday against uh, that was at KU. Um, it was one of the highest scoring games all year for the Cyclones. In fact, it might be tied for the highest scoring game all year. The Cyclones scored 93 points at KU, which is for sure their high, uh, which is tied for the highest scoring game of the year with when they played whoever uh, SIUE is. Don't even know who that is. They beat them 93 to 43. Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. It's about 30 minutes from where I grew up. Gotcha. Well, we beat them 93 to 43 uh, earlier in the year. Uh, And we scored 93 at KU and still ended up losing that game, 93 to 98. Um, KU basically led from, KU did lead the entire game, um, this game. The Cyclones battled, they stayed in it, um, but they were not able to um, come back in the end. Ashley Jones had a double-double, which is almost, you almost just say that's usual at this point. 33 points, 14 rebounds. Um, it was an off night for Emily Ryan, who only had two points, but she did have 10 assists. And the real standout performance was Danae Fritz, who had 26 in that game, including going four of five from three. 
but we could just not stop Kansas um, on the defensive side of the ball. Kansas shot 51% from the field and 55% from three and just did enough to, to win the game in the end. So it was t- tough to lose when you score that many points, but sometimes it happens. The Cyclones um, came in senior night. The Cyclones came out sluggish and fell behind Texas Tech 9-2 to um, early in that game, but then they uh, – put on the accelerator and did not look back and ended up winning 76 to 52 over Texas tech on senior night. Another great performance from Ashley Jones as per usual. She had um, in this one, she had 22 points and 10 rebounds, another double, double. So overall that puts the cyclone women at 11 and seven in the conference, um, the three seed in the big 12 tournament they will kick off um, that tournament 7.30 p.m. Friday, also against Baylor. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. So um, that will create some overlap between the men and the women should the men win their first game on Thursday because um, the, the, the men's semifinal game would be a 6 p.m. game um, on Friday if they get there. So there'll be some overlap, but not a ton. So if y'all, get, if y'all can get down to Kansas City, it'll be a great week there. A lot of basketball. Both the men's and women's tournaments will be there. Um, so a lot of basketball should be a lot of fun. Um, and both of these teams are, are locks for the NCAA tournament. So next week we'll, uh, we'll talk about the, how the Big 12 tournament shook out and talk about the seeding. Uh, and the NCAA tournament matchups for the men and the women. Exciting stuff. And I know it is not uh, football season, but uh, NFL, the NFL Combine was this week, and NFL free agency is right around the corner. Um, Aryan, you want to tell us some of the interesting things that uh, happened in NFL free agency? Yeah, so just some little stuff trickling in. Um, it hasn't technically started yet, so we'll we'll see a lot more movement here shortly. But we did get some headlines today and over the last couple days. Geno Smith, who had a renaissance year last year with the Seahawks, uh, re-signed. Signed with a three-year, $105 million deal with the Seahawks. So they are going to ride with him in the short term. I wouldn't be surprised if they still draft a quarterback, though, just in case. Uh, And there are reports, uh, basically verified as it can be right now, that Derek Carr has agreed to a deal with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, potentially worth up to $150 million with $100 million in guarantees. Uh, obviously, more will come on that when it's actually uh, able to be talked about. Uh, the Ravens are saying their contract negotiations with Lamar Jackson are going to extend until the deadline, as they have not been able to come to terms yet on a deal. So we'll see if they totally choke that, because I don't see any situation where it's a good idea to get rid of Lamar Jackson. Um, The Cowboys have used the franchise tag on Tony Pollard, which will be interesting to see what they do with Zeke Elliott after this. How much money does he think he can get? He doesn't look the same as he used to, obviously. In a little bit of a surprise move, the Kansas City Chiefs have stayed said that they will not be using the franchise tag on their left tackle Orlando Brown. I think everybody kind of expected them to do so. Uh, And they also, 
I believe this was from Frank Clark's agent, said that they are expected to cut Frank Clark. And then, covering the other team that is often talked about on this podcast, the Minnesota Vikings, to get under the salary cap release, their leading tackler uh, from last season, Eric Kendricks. So a couple interesting moves there, and I'm sure we will see a lot more coming. There's going to be a lot of quarterback movement this offseason, if I was going to guess. Anything about any of those moves? No, I mean, I think that's the first of of multiple moves that are coming for the Vikings. Um, They've got to make a decision about Dalvin Cook, Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen. Um, They don't have to cut them all, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least two of them are cut and or restructured. How do you feel about giving big contracts to running backs that basically aren't brand new? I feel like we've seen time and time again that it does not work out well. You can't both pay big money to a running back and a quarterback, right? And the Vikings are paying big money to a quarterback, and you can debate whether they should be or not. But anyway, you can't do both. How old is Dalvin Cook? Uh, He's got to be near 30 now. I was going to say, you can't give a big quarterback to a running back. He's 27. Is he? Okay. I'm just not sure there are a lot of top running backs that are 28 to 31. Just hasn't been proven out. And then you see new guys every single year that get drafted that do great. It just seems like it's trending towards get a rookie guy, do a rookie extension, and then move on. Yeah. So Delvin Cook is under contract through 2025. Oh, okay. Um, So still for three more years. But you could cut him. Um, you could cut him this year and save eight million dollars off the cap, or you could cut him next year and save twelve million on the cap. So he ain't playing out this contract. Yeah. The question is, does he restructure? Do we just cut him? Do we just keep him for another year and then cut him? We'll see. But but these decisions are all coming because most of these contracts, or there's a lot of the contracts that become fully or more guaranteed for the next year once the league year starts, which is in mid-March. So that's why you're seeing all this movement now. Is event, Eventually, you, you lose the opportunity to make some of these moves um, once the new, new league year starts. So they, they have it. Any other NFL uh, news? Uh, the Cyclones performed well at the Combine. I don't have the exact numbers, but it sounds like especially... Um, it sounds like especially I'm blanking on his name. Why am I blanking on his name? Will McDonald um, performed particularly well at the combine is what I'm hearing. So I, I have heard those grumblings, not even the past couple of years, the past, but probably two or three years. And I, I generally agree with you, Arian. What's what's the point? I mean, the, the film and what you have from their college plays is what matters. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I can imagine that the combine was a thing because you didn't get you you didn't get to used to see all these guys. It was harder. There wasn't tape of everybody. So get all the top guys in one place and I can actually see you. You can see every everybody and everyone down to like division three if you want to. It's less necessary than it used to be. So part of the combine that they don't televise is like the, the interviews, right? That's the most important part. Say, is that, you know, compare that to like getting a normal, like uh, an office job, for example, is team fit something they're really looking for in the combine? And how much does that matter when it comes to an NFL team? Because to me, that would be the only thing that may persist. Let's say they cancel the combine for whatever reason. 
are they still going to be interviewing players and getting getting you know talking to them face to face um that that's the only interesting part of the combine i guess because everything else doesn't doesn't really matter well first of all i don't think the nfl is going to cancel the combine anytime soon because do you know what everybody's been talking about the last few weeks and you know what we're talking (laughs) about right now the nfl in the middle of march right so that's why they're not canceling the combine no but hypothetically if they were going to cancel it would would something like that still persist it depends on how important it is and i don't know what the answer is even if it wasn't, teams would do it, even if it wasn't at an organized event, right? It would probably just be, it would be more difficult for teams to interview players. But yes, they'd still do the interviews with players. You'd just probably interview less players and it would be a more difficult process. But teams would still do it, presuming they think it's valuable, which I agree, it's the most valuable part of the combine because it's the only thing you can't find out from watching them on film, like Ariane mm-hmm. said. So, so. If you're interested in the combine, go watch some highlights. If you like, it sounds like the rest of us don't. Um, that's that's your choice. We'll see. Anything else in the NFL, Ariane? Or was that everything? That's all I got for this week. Awesome. Thank you for filling us in. And well, next week's a basketball-only episode, so if anything exciting happens, you'll hear about it in two weeks. That's right. This week for Mike Stupid Rules, I want to um, talk about something that doesn't occur very often, but definitely does occur occasionally in college basketball. Um, I don't know if the NBA rule is different, Ariane, so maybe you can contribute at the end of this and tell me how the NBA handles the situation. But the situation I'm thinking about is a situation where the ball goes out of bounds and the officials, none of the officials got a good look to see who it went out of bounds off of, right? So this situation would be covered by Rule 6, Section 4, Article 1, um, which is on alternating possession situations. So Part B of Article 1 says, um, the ball shall be put in play by the team entitled to the alternating possession throw-in at a... at a designated spot nearest to where the ball was last touched simultaneously by two opponents both whom are inbounds or out of bounds, or when the officials are in doubt as to who last touched the ball. So remember, in college, you can't review it until there's less than two minutes left in the game or in overtime. So in all other situations, if the officials aren't sure, alternating possession, so the equivalent of a jump ball. Whoever has the possession arrow gets the ball, and then possession arrow switches. We saw this in, I can't remember which Cyclones game it was. We saw it in at least one Cyclones game. I think the West Virginia game, maybe. Um, we saw it at least once. So so the rule in the NBA uh, is Rule 8, Section 2D. Uh, if the ball goes out of bounds and was last touched simultaneously by two opponents, both of whom are inbounds or out of bounds, or if the official is in doubt as to who last touched the ball, or if the officials disagree, Play shall be resumed by a jump ball between two involved players in the nearest restraining circle. Uh, there are some exceptions that I don't know what they are because I don't have that rule book memorized, but it's just a jump ball in the NBA. Gotcha. So, so it's the same, same thing either way. In the NBA, yeah. you just don't have the possession error. So. Yeah. Makes sense. So there you go. Same in college in the NBA, just slightly different way to resume play. So... Awesome. Any other any questions on that rule? Nope. Makes sense to me. All right. 
Moving on to our accountability session, which was somewhat more successful than last week's disaster of an accountability session. Um, so here we go. First, Kyle predicted this a long, long time ago in the middle of last F1 season. He predicted that there were there would be at least two rookie drivers in seats at the start of this season. The first uh, race did happen um, this last weekend. It was Bahrain, right? It was Bahrain. Um, and Wyatt tells me there were three rookie drivers in seats, which is at least two. So Kyle gets a ding-ding-ding-ding. ding Wyatt predicted that he would make it into the fantasy basketball playoffs, um, which he did clinch a spot in the playoffs um, with his win last week. So Wyatt gets a ding 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 On the flip side of that, Ariane, I don't know if out of spite or what, predicted that Wyatt would not make the fantasy basketball playoffs, uh, which we just talked about he did. So, nah. Nah. Ariane, you also predicted the Cyclone men would finish in the bottom half of the Big 12, but still make the NCAA tournament. Fifth is the top half of the Big 12. So regardless of whether or not they make the NCAA tournament, which they will, um, this prediction is still wrong. So, nah. Nah. You also predicted that Dewan Harris Jr. ends the year leading the Big 12 in both assists and steals. I've got the stats page up here. He ended up second in assists to Marquise Noel and fourth in steals to Marquise Noel, Kevin McCullough Jr., and Taman Lipsy. So he did not finish first in either of those, so he gets a nah. 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 Arian, you also predicted the men's team ends with a better record than the women's team. Um, the men's team ended up finishing 18 and 12, and the women's team was 19 and 9. So that was also incorrect. So you get a nah. 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 Wyatt, you predicted the men and women team would both win out in the regular season. They both had one and one weeks, so that did not happen. So you get a nah. 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 And our. Arian, you predicted the Cyclone men and women would both win at least one of their regular season games, which one in one weeks for both of them does make that happen. So you have a correct prediction. I think it's the only one. Finally. This week. Oh, no, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle had the one. So two right predictions this week total. Um, you get a ding 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 ding. We have a wrong prediction sandwich with uh, the bread being the two right ones. Delicious. Very tasty. I would like to point out that none of those predictions were mine, though. I'm just saying. You also didn't have any right either. He's out of the lineup this week. See, going zero for zero is better than uh, I think the rest of you did this week. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, um, I'll get started putting some things back up on the board with a with a quite an interesting prediction here for you guys to sort through. I'm going to say at least two Minnesota college or pro hockey teams win championships this year. Okay. Seems challenging. <laughs> uh, I, so this this includes this includes men's and women's college hockey or NHL. But none of the minor league. No, nope. Just 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 NCAA men, NCAA women, and professional. I assume uh, in college, Minnesota's pretty good as a state at hockey. I don't know that. Yes. Okay. I will read the men's hockey rankings for you, and then the women's as well. So in the men's hockey rankings, um, Minnesota is number one. Um, yeah, Minnesota's number one. Quinnipiac is number two. Denver's three. Michigan's four. Boston's five. 
Harvard is six, Western Michigan is seven, St. Cloud State is eight, Ohio State is nine, and Michigan Tech is ten. So you Over have on three Michigan league. schools in the top ten. You do. Okay. Over on the women's side. Uh, let's see here. On the women's side, you've got um, you got Ohio State number one, Minnesota two, Colgate three, Yale four, Northeastern five, Wisconsin six, Minnesota Duluth seven, Quinnipiac eight, Clarkson nine, and Penn State ten. Okay. And then the Wild are currently in like tenth place in the NHL standings. I see them at five in the West. Correct. Yes, that sounds about right. If you look up their standings, the Eastern Conference is on the left and the Western's on the right, and that bothers me. That's fair. Where are you looking up standings I guess from? It's alphabetical, right? Yeah, it's alphabetical, but come on. I don't know what to give this. I feel like it's possible. It doesn't seem too crazy. So to me, that's like triple territory. How many how many teams play in college for the championship? For uh, hockey? Si- 16 on the men's side. 16. Um, on the women's side, it's eight, maybe. Let me look. Um, one. This is a weird bracket. Hold on. Twelve. Is that nine? What the heck is this bracket? <laughs> one, two, three, I four, see five, nine. six, seven, eight, nine, nine, ten, eleven. What? Twelve. I really tried to figure this out. This is a good <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, one, two, six, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, five, I have six, twelve. Seven. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. So sixteen and twelve. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably it's probably still a triple, but I was just curious about that. They seem like they have a good shot, but that's like a lot of stuff. You still, you still got to. I mean, in a sixteen-team tournament, you still got to win four games, right? Oh, it's a lot. You only need one of those seven or however many teams to win those games. Yeah, yeah Minnesota- I, I don't see how it could be much. It would be a very, very high double. Feels like a triple. I, I think this is a triple. I'll take a triple. That's that's fine. Triple, it is. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yeah, he is still alive, but he has not opened my snap yet, so we will get a prediction from him later and add it to the sheet. Sounds good. The Drake Bulldogs won their conference uh, championship and have a tournament berth, so I'm going to say they're going to make it to the Sweet 16. So something that I would, I messaged all of you about this the other day, something um, that is not unrealistic and I wouldn't put it past the selection committee to do, Five seed Iowa State versus twelve seed Drake in Des Moines in the first round of the NCAA tournament. How crazy would that be? That would be insane. Like, yes, make it happen. Like, and and if you look at the bracket matrix, like those seeds, those seeds are very possible, right? If yeah. if you pull up the bracket matrix right now, Iowa State is in a virtual tie with TCU for the last five seed right now. And um, Drake is a 12 seed. So the seedings could line up, whether they'd get matched up and whether it would be in Des Moines would be two different territories. But anyway, 
that is um, not relevant to your predictions. Anyway, let me see. What is the percentage of 12 seeds to make the Sweet 16? Um, let's see. Like, well, how is this percentage just not easily available? Like, this should just be there. 15%. 15% of 12 seeds make the Sweet 16. So is this a double or a triple? Triple. I think I'm fine with that. Okay, good. Otherwise, I was going to change my prediction to be Elite Eight. So I will definitely take <laughs> That's what I was. Is Drake like that good? I I don't know much about him this year. I I have seen like three articles already that saying they're going to be the Cinderella team. Well, Um, that means I'm not going to pick (laughs) up. My number one rule of the bracket is if there's somebody who everybody says is going to be the Cinderella team, don't pick them. Does that apply for the ever present dark horse as well? This team's the dark horse champion. Yes. It was this, Iowa State for like four years in a row and we always <laughs> lost. <laughs> this 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 has been this has been bracket advice with Mike Lodwig. <laughs> Don't use it to beat me in our uh, bracket pool this year. Unfortunately, Kyle can't take your advice because he's not here today, but do we have a prediction to write down for him? We don't as of yet. He is uh, out on a work trip and uh, has not been able to get back to me. So we will also add that once uh, he gets back to us. Sounds good. It looks like Arian's going to help us out with the missing two predictions, though. Yeah, so uh, I've had a lot come off the board in the past couple weeks, and they've all been wrong, basically. So I'm going to get some back on the board. My first prediction, Mike will win the fantasy basketball playoffs. He's been on fire for the last, like, four or five weeks. Uh, I'm going to ride that momentum all the way to the championship. What does the league even look like? I I haven't looked past my team for um, some weeks now. Currently... Yeah, I'm going to be the one seed in the playoffs. Um, you will, you or Arian, or maybe Kyle. Probably you or Arian will be the two. The other will be the three, and Kyle will be the four, likely. Yeah. What a rigged league. There's still a slight chance that Victor sneaks in as the four seed, but I. 4% chance. Uh, I'm seeing 12. Oh, okay. That's even better. Yeah. And he's off to a good start this week, so really. Uh, Kyle needs to win his game, but his opponent hasn't played in like six weeks and just yeah, left James Holmes 50 points on the bench. So. <laughs> I tried to trade for that guy multiple times. I could not get, could not get James Harden. At one point, I was projected for a 6% chance to make the playoffs. I'm up at 98 have, now. So have you, the, you've won like eight in a row or yeah, something. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so. he's eight, eight in a row. You, yeah, you were, you were what, five and six? Five and, and six. 13 and six? Yeah. Um, um, Mike winning. I mean, that seems that seems likely. Is, uh, I usually I, choke, so I'm gonna say double just because there's four teams and only say, one yep. of them can win. So yep, yeah, I agree. I'm good with that. My next prediction. I've been meaning to make this one multiple weeks, and I always forget. Bronny James will play his basketball at the University of Oregon next year. He's one of the highest recruits who has not committed yet. Hmm. He doesn't even have an offer from Oregon. Yeah, he right does, now. doesn't he? Does he not? 24-7 Sports says he's only got offers from Memphis, Ohio State, and USC. Huh. Home run. I stand. I'm, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> and let me, uh, I let thought me, he had let visited me Oregon again. like three times. But, 
What's that weird website Kyle likes to look at instead of 24 7? I don't know. Yeah. It's not that weird of a website. Well, not that one. Like player something. Oh, I don't know what he uses. Let's see if ESPN has something different. Well, if he hasn't even gotten an offer. Oh, on three. That's what it is. Oh, that's right. That's that new one, isn't it? Yeah. Why stand corrected? I must be thinking of someone else. Yeah. I don't even have him as a an option there. Home run. I'm changing uh, it to ESP- USC. ESPN says he has an offer from Oregon, so okay. I don't know. I'll let it ride. I'll let it ride. Who cares? <laughs> so is is it Oregon or USC? You've changed. I'll take it. I'll take Oregon. I'll take Oregon. I'll take the home run. You know. All right. Sounds good. Why not? Oregon and a home run. It is. Uh, and my last prediction is uh, neither the men nor women for the Iowa State Cyclones will make the second weekend of the big, of the NCAA tournament. I almost said the Big 12 tournament, which would be a single, because there isn't one. There is, yeah, there is no second weekend of the uh, Big 12 tournament. Um, so no Sweet 16s for the Cyclones. Correct. Both teams are likely to be five seeds. Um, so let's see here. In the men, um, four seeds. Let's see, where's the percentages here? Five seeds make the Sweet 16 33% of the time. Um, in the men, in the women, it's slightly less than that. It's more like, um, it's more like 28, 29, it looks like. So this is probably a double. That sounds, yeah, math. I'm okay with the double. Ariane, thoughts? You think it seems fair? Yeah, I'll take it. I wasn't exactly sure how we would grade it, so double seems reasonable. Okay, double it is. With two doubles, two triples, and a single home run, and that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the ATV 11 cast, episode 213. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!